Lord, we thank you for allowing us again this evening into your presence. Father, tonight I would like to speak with you and with the people, dear God, on a subject that's very important for us to understand at this time. Lord, we've been talking about how important it is for the tribe of Judah to, and for all of us to understand, dear Lord, the importance of this time. Lord, we are at the time of war. We are at the time, dear God, where the world is going to find out that they've been deceived greatly and they're going to begin to figure out the evil of the world and what they've what has been done to them. Lord, for example, the live birth certificate or live birth record where they list the mother as an informant on the document, meaning she's not really the mother. Dear Lord, she's informing. And dear Lord, they won't allow that original documents to come out to the people and they won't even give them a full copy of the birth certificate. They give them a receipt, basically, of the birth certificate because, and they say that those other documents are kept and they can't be released because they're trying to hide the truth from the people. If they see those documents and see what they've signed, they begin to see how they've been deceived. And Lord, we pray that the people begin to understand, dear Lord, that is just one small example of the problem that we're facing. Lord, the other night I explained, dear Lord, in an email I sent out to people, dear God, about the vitamins. Dear Lord, it, that they're just, and I've explained it in many audios, Lord, about them. Uh, you know, the FDA was formed in 1948 to destroy the nutritional value of the food. And Lord, they've also destroyed even the vitamins, dear God, are not really vitamins. Dear Lord, there's some kind of chemical mix that they make and they will not even get the people what is truthfully vitamins because, dear Lord, they want to kill the people. They want to destroy the nutritional value so that the people are weak and easily overcome in this time when they're going to bring diseases and bombs and storms and every other kind of thing, dear Lord, because the people's bodies aren't capable of recovering. But, Lord, they, they've forgotten one big thing. Lord, that you have a plan. And, Lord, that you are a God. And that, dear Lord, the body is made to recover. And, Lord, we have destroyed ourselves because we've allowed them to destroy the grain. We've allowed them to destroy our food. Lord, food is what you utilize to enable us to be healthy. Lord, and also the the herbs and so forth, dear Lord, you say right in the scripture, they're for the service of men. Lord, when you say service of men, it will not come back void. It means herbs are going to help heal us. Vitamins, fruit are going to heal us. Vitamins made from that. And Lord, the sun is there to bring every morning the way of righteousness, but they've filled the sky with tons and tons of isotopes of carbon and aluminum and other things. Not carbon, but aluminum and uh, um, copper. Dear Lord, so that they can deflect the natural sun frequency to distort it. So that we are not getting from the sun what we need in the vitamin of the sun that comes from the light. So we have to get the supplements. And uh, dear Lord, the vitamins they're giving us are not good. But there are people still making good vitamins. But they cost a lot. And Lord, the government is doing everything it can to block these supplements of being good for people to be made available at reasonable prices. Now, I don't want to go into all this tonight, 
dear Lord, in that regard. But, but what I'm trying to do is set a stage for something. I want to talk about Judah. I want to talk about Jacob. And when they came out of, uh, when they went from Canaan down into Egypt to, to Joseph. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. We've been talking about it. Dear Lord, but I also want to reflect that the very first tribe to be sealed is Judah. You say that in Revelation 7. First tribe is Judah, and the people need to know why. And Lord, they need to know the character of why. And tonight I would like to build upon that. We've been talking about it, Lord, and I want to keep hammering on this until we get it understood in our minds, dear Lord, the importance of it. Because, Lord, we are in a time where you tell us in Jeremiah 16 that the people won't talk about uh, the, how they came out of, out of Egypt again. They're going to talk about how you brought them out now. But, Lord, you also tell us that it's likened to that time in many ways. So, Lord, we have to go back and analyze why did they, they go into Egypt? Why did you send them there? Why did they get them out? And what did they reject when you brought them out? Those kind of things, so that we can understand the importance of these times and what we should do. Because, Lord, it's very clear we cannot, you know, we can't afford to get the vitamins and they're going to destroy the economy. As I've told the people, they're bringing war and they're going to destroy the economy. They're going to collapse it. So you can't buy the things you need. And our food is terrible. Our food is poisonous to our bodies. It's toxic. Our grocery stores, it almost makes you want to cry when you go to Walmart or you go to any food store because the majority, 99% of the food, at least it seems, in the stores is not even edible. Lord, it's poisonous. It's toxic. But yet, dear Lord, we go there because that's what we can afford and the people don't know any better. And Lord, it's a terrible thing. I would like to show them, though, tonight a little bit about why Jacob was so cautious to go into Egypt. And why Jacob, I mean, Joseph was so smart and why Jacob was cautious and Joseph knew it ahead of time. And there's, there's some things hidden in that story of going down there that are important for us at this time. Because when we go to Mark 13, or excuse me, Matthew 24 and Mark 13, and verses uh, like, let's say, Mark uh, Matthew 24, uh, uh, 20, uh, let's go 17 and 18. It's very important because it, 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 it's reflective of Egypt and it, it tells us how far away from you we are. Lord, our churches think we're religious. We think we're Holy Spirit filled and so forth. But dear Lord, you're giving us instruction here that shows us that we're not. It said, you, you know, we don't understand the abomination desolation that you spoke of in Daniel. The prophet standing in the holy place. Lord, Daniel continuously kept saying, when is it my people are going to be turned back to you? When are they going to return to you, Lord? When are you going to bring them out? When are you going to get them to wake up? Because what did he have to hide? He had to seal the words. He had to end up sealing the words because the people, until they get the words away from them, they, they just mistreat it. They don't understand it. And it's abomination to you. Dear Lord, it's abomination of destruction is what you're saying. Destruction is if we reject the inheritance. The inheritance is the words of God. And you told us in John 17, 17, very simply, you said that we have to be set apart from the world by truth, and, the, and that truth is the word of God. And it's not just the whole Bible. 
you, you had to come into the world to make known the words of God. That's what the whole purpose was. They rejected, received the knowledge of the words back in the time of the, Mount Sinai. They didn't want it written on their heart. And he keep telling them, you got to write your words on your heart. You got to tell them, you, you know, you got to have the knowledge of truth. Be saved and have the knowledge of truth. What is the knowledge of truth? You tell them in John seventeen seventeen, it's your words. You tell us in, in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, that we're sealed and have eternal life by the knowledge of truth, which is the knowledge of God's words. The, the words that spoke and made creation, all those words. People don't understand what this means. I've set apart the words. I've shown them what you've showed me, Lord, the 153 words, to the best I can discern them. But, Lord, it isn't even important if, if there was one or two errors in it. It doesn't matter. Like he told the disciples when they go to the cross, I mean, we're going to the garden. He says, if you could take one sword, which is the sword, the word. If one, one word can overcome the world, but they couldn't even receive the knowledge of one word. They heard your speech, but they couldn't discern your words. John 8, 3 to 8, John 8, 43 to 47. And it says, if, if you don't hear the words of God, you're not of God. How do you expect God to deliver you if you won't be sanctified? But you're sanctified by being set apart from the world by his words. John 17, 17 to 19. Joel 2, 12 to 20. The only way God can intervene. So when you go to Matthew 24, there's something very important that relates to what I'm trying to say tonight. It says, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything from his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to take his clothes. And Mark 13 says the same thing. It says, let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. And then he went on and said, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And it says the same thing in Matthew uh, 24, 19. It says, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those nursing babies in those days. Why? It's because you told us in Hosea 4, 6, if we don't have the knowledge of truth, then we will be cast out from you. We will be rejected as being speakers of your words before you, and you'll reject our children. That's very important for us to understand. And the reason of that goes back to Isaiah 28, 9 to 13, where you tell us that the knowledge will not be given to those who are babies nurse, nursing or those just weaned on milk. It won't be given to them. And so if they don't have the knowledge, they're going to be rejected. And you tell us in Proverbs 1, 20 to 33, that if, they, if, if he will not hear the words and, and turn to you so that you can pour out the Spirit upon them and cause them to know your words, then they will be rejected. And you'll laugh at their calamities because they've rejected your knowledge. And that's why it says in Matthew seven twenty one to 23, that even prophets and healers and ministers, those who call upon your name and get all these things to be done, are going to be rejected by you because they are lawless. Because you told us that your, your, your truth is law in Psalms 119, 142. And at the day of the Lord, we're going to be judged by your words, but they wouldn't hear the words. They've been spoken now almost 14 years since April 7, 2003 until now. We're almost to 14 years. 13 years is, a, is the number for love. You got to decide, do you love God or not? He tells you in John fourteen twenty three to 24, you don't love you if we will not hear your, your words. Lord, they, you said they do not love you if they will not receive your words. 
people keep telling me, oh, it's all about love. It's all of this and that. They don't love you. They totally disregard your instruction. And then they try to say, I'm a prophet. I'm a healer. I'm doing all these things. And they ignore Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And, and they, they, they immediately say, oh, don't criticize anybody. Don't give them reproof. I'm not criticizing. I'm stating reproof. I'm stating it's important that we listen to you and your instruction, which says that they'll be destroyed for a lack of knowledge and the knowledge that you desire them to have is the knowledge of truth. I want them to get it. I want them more than anything to get it. I'm not asking them to be like me. I'm no example. Everybody has to stand on their own, but they have to hear your words and they have to obey your instruction and they will not do it. Now, I want to point out something important here. When it says, don't take anything from your house, this is really interesting because when we go back to the time of um, Joseph, when Joseph, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. When he sends for the people, his father and them, uh, to come down into Egypt, there's a, there's a really interesting thing going on. Now, I'd like to, to uh, go with that, and I will in a second, but I'd like to divest slightly to emphasize something about Judah. In, in the scriptures where it's talking about Judah, I think, you know, when you read the scriptures, you find out the first time Judah ever talked was when he said to his brothers, let's not kill Joseph. You know, let's sell him and make a profit. So Judah, and then Judah went away from his brothers and he went to this Dalton area, um, which is the empty wells, the dry wells area. <laughs> you know, it's, that is not where his father had wanted him to go. They wanted him to, to, to Shechem to pasture the lands and, of course, uh, and, and uh, the animals. And J Jacob had told Joseph to go there and see if they were doing good and if the sheep were doing good, if the flocks were doing good. So, in other words, they're doing good works. People just think, oh, they were, oh the animals are fine. They're pasturing. They're getting better lands. Oh, they took them over here to get better grass. You know, the problem with that is, Jacob had a plan. He's trying to build the kingdom of God through his sons. His whole face, his whole desire was for that purpose. And, and he, they were doing opposite. They were making their own decisions just like the church does today. Oh, we can go to Washington, negotiate with the leaders, even though the Lord told us in Revelation 18, 3 and 4, if we do that, we're going to receive of their sins. What is their sins? Their sins are they're destroying the nutritional value of the food. They're... they're stealing the babies in other words they they basically have stated that parents are not the parents they call them parents but that's a that's an informant they're really just a contractor basically because all they got is a purchase receipt for this child they haven't discerned that they need to get the live birth record why does a child even need to be registered you know god doesn't want them counted by these people he wants to count them they're his he owns what comes out of the womb but the governments register it, and then they don't allow you to have a copy of that document. You can't. You get a birth certificate, but it's the short forms. It's not the real one. Oh, they can't give you that because that's by law. They can't give that. No, it's by by deceit. They want to keep that away from you so you can't see the truth, and they don't want you to figure out what they're really doing 
or the amount of money that they're getting for this for each hospital, for the state, for these other ones, and that you're not a living person. There was a really interesting case where in in UK, you can look it up. The person came into the um, into the uh, uh, courtroom, held up the birth certificate, and he, he's saying this is the he was a lawyer representing this person, and they were saying where is the person, and he he held up this document and said here he is. Because you're not a living person to the courts, and the courts are contract courts, they're not common law courts. And this, you know, and, and the other thing is they can only test you three times. By their law, once you've defeated them three times, they have to stop. It's just like the devil couldn't test Jesus more than three times. Because why? The fourth one's counsel. They judge themselves. And the devil knows that. So he has them, like they even do the birth certificate, they, they do it and announce it in three, uh, three different documents. <laughs> Three different ways they they announce the thing, so that it's on record. They call that on the record, because they use this three. Well, you know that's the separation, that's the wisdom, and that's the understanding. And when we allow that to happen, we are going against God, and we've given the control over this to another person. Anyway, that is what they're doing. They're deceiving us in all these things. What what I'm trying to get at here is something important. We got to take responsibility. The Lord has got an answer at this time. See, the Lord brought them into Egypt. Why? When you think about it, why did he bring them into Egypt? Because he knew that these sons were not going to be good. In other words, he knew that they were going to go their own way. He saw it with Esau. He saw these things. He knew this was going to happen, and he foretold they'd be in captivity. That. And that's what the Lord does. And if you read his law of knowledge, he, he tells you in Isaiah 28, 9 to 13, he lets them to go so that they see evil and try to and know that they must turn to good. When they get in trouble, it's like this day. He says he's going to give us a compelling event that's going to cause us to change in Luke 14, 15 to 24, because he has to. We will not wake up and come out of the complacent church that we are, the complacent called out assembly that we are, that allows bliss to stand in the Vatican, that allows Oblis to stand in Washington, D.C., allows these pagan gods to be on our um, on our um, uh, Capitol building and the Statue of Liberty, the, the, the goddess of victory. We allow all these things and represent our nation, and we call it we are a nation under God. No, you're not. We are not. We are a nation under their God, which is the devil. The Masonic God is the devil, and these statues and all this is all part of the Masonic order. The order of the garter, the order of the thistle, all those things are all Masonic orders. And at the top of the Masonic order is the devil. It, it's, you know, it's built upon chaos. It's built upon deceit. Deceit is chaos, by the way. Yeah, everything that's not true is, is a foundation of chaos. It's not a foundation of peace and truth. Theirs is not built upon peace and truth. It's built upon deceit and continuation of that. So when Jacob heard about this thing and going down to Egypt, I'm going to show you that he was greatly concerned about assimilation. In other words, he did not want to be put into the society of Egypt. He wanted to keep what he had known from his fathers. And see, shepherds are keepers of the word. Joseph was very smart. He understood that they're keepers of the word. That's what the shepherds are. They keepers of the flock. They keep dominion over the land. 
and they, they plot it up. And what happens? The food comes, but multiplication greatly multiplies because they're shepherds. They understand how to take dominion over the earth, no matter where they put them. This is what was going on. They were doing the way of the words. I told you last night about the vineyard and Joseph's wife and so on. People need to understand this factor. Everything was about doing the way of the words. Now, I talked about Judah. Judah told them to put and sell Joseph off. And, of course, the Midianite traders came and took him out of the pit before they could. They put him in the pit and took away his garment. But then the Midianite traders came and took him out of the pit and sold him into Egypt. And they're the ones accounted for selling him to Egypt. God makes a point of making that known to us in the scriptures. But I want to point out that Judah was the one that was really important. Now, Joseph did two things. When they came to him and he saw them, he um, did the thing where he brought them over. Um, and uh, let's see where, where we can get this with. Um, when he When he came to them, Okay, let me let me get to the point. I want to get here. Look at my notes here for a minute, please. When they went down to Egypt, and he told them down to, to, to go down there, uh, Jacob sent them. When uh, uh, he you know he did the thing, uh, and they he kept Simeon. You know, he, first he tried to say they were spies, and then he he kept Simeon. Now, please remember that Simeon was the oldest of the rebel ones. Reuben was one that really didn't want them to do anything. But Simeon had been the one with Shechem and he, with Levi. And as, as Jacob said, they hamstrung an ox. And so when, when they did, he sent them back. He kept with Simeon. He told them to bring back their brother Benjamin. And they did. They brought uh, Jacob sent him. And he sent him back with double the money, and he sent him back with the money that Jacob put into their their things. And I'm not going to go through that whole story. It's a long long thing. But I wanted to point out a couple interesting little tidbits in this. When when they came back, Jacob had them. I mean Joseph had them come to his place, his house, for noon lunch, to bre- to have bread with him at noon. Please understand it. All these things that he's doing are done on purpose. They're done so that that they're following the way of the Lord. Joseph understood the words of God and he understood God. He had been trained by Jacob, who had been trained by Isaac, who had been trained by Abram. So they understood. And he, Abram was trained by Melchizedek. So and Jacob had had, you know, God talked with him. He got his name and all that I've told you about many times. And Jacob often calls himself Jacob because of what he's doing instead of the name Israel. And he uses Israel, and it's used specifically in places representing the work that they're doing at that time. Whether they're doing it in the foundation of peace, or are they doing it for the zeal of bringing forth the kingdom, which is what Jacob is doing. Now, and Israel is bringing forth the uh, the kingdom in the way of righteousness. Um. And a, and a foundation of doing the words. Okay, so when he tells them this, you see this in uh, Genesis 43 and verse 16. He says, uh, take these men to my home and, and slaughter an animal, make ready for these men will dine with me at noon. So they went there and um, 
they were, you know, these, these guys were afraid of Joseph and so forth at that time. But Joseph was happy to see them. And first time, remember that he, he had cried a couple different times during all this. So he um, had him. Uh, he brought Simeon out to them that time in, in Genesis 43 and so forth. And he put him in order and he broke bread with him and he gave Simeon, I mean, excuse me, gave Benjamin five times more food than the other ones. And they noticed all these things. The brothers noticed all these things. But then he does something very interesting. He puts that silver cup into their their um, sack, uh, into the sack of Benjamin, at the mouth of the sack of Benjamin. And then he sent them back, and they didn't, they, they didn't know he'd put it in there, of course, and then they get caught, and they bring him back. But Joseph asked him a very interesting question. When he brought him back, he says, so Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's Genesis 44, 14, 14 to 15. And it says, so Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, and he was still there, and that they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, what deed is this you have done? Did you not know that such a man as I can certainly practice divination? That's a very interesting question. Now, consider that when they had eaten with him before, because he sent him away in the morning, God makes known his word. And he put the cup in there as a testimony to them. And what they really, what that's really indicating is something important. Noon is the time of judgment. Remember, Jesus was judged by um, uh, uh, the, I can't remember his name now, <laughs> the judge of, uh, um, that judged Jesus at noon. He, he ruled over him. I can't remember his name right now. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I mean, he judged him at noon. It says in the Bible, he judged him at noon. And he, he gave him the, um, he was the Roman governor of, of that area. Okay, my my point on it is noon is the time of judgment. And what uh, Judah says to him, I mean, Joseph said to him here is, I'm in practice divination. Now he gave him his silver cup that he drinks out of. Joseph was drinking out of a silver cup. He could have had gold cup. He chose a silver cup. The humbleness of the words is what he was doing. And he had put that cup with them. And they should have recognized the silver cup in the hands of a man this powerful. They should have recognized that. But they didn't notice. See, they weren't falling away of the words. They hadn't even noticed these things. They they thought it was a wonder that he sat sat him in order at the table, that he gave his the younger one five times more food than the other one. The other ones. They should have seen these things, but they didn't notice that five is the number of the power of God and might and authority. And they should have seen that because they were of the other mothers, but he was Rachel's child. So they they should have seen this kind of thing happening, and that should have been an indication to him. He was trying to see what would they do with that, giving them that much food five times more. And remember that the reason why they hated him was he was doing the way of the words and he was Rachel's son. And they didn't like it that the father favored him. So here he was favoring Benjamin. They wanted to see what the reaction was. And this is where it's very, very interesting because this is where Judah intercedes for Benjamin. Now, this is important. Remember that Judah was the one that said, sell him. You know, in other words, put him in a pit, sell him to these traders. And they saw the Ishmaelite traders. 
at that time, sell him to them for a profit. They saw him afar off. Now, interesting thing is that um, Judah, between the time it had sold, they had, uh, you know, Jacob had been put in the, I mean, Joseph had been put in the pit and then taken. And this event here, we have the story of Tamar, his uh, daughter-in-law. Remember that she had been a um, wife of one of his sons, oldest son, and then he died and he was given to the wife of the second son. And when he died, he did not want to give her to the third son. So he procrastinated on that and he had told her he would and let, let him grow up. But when he grew up, he didn't give him to her, didn't give her to him. So she went and on the way and like a prostitute at his place in Dalton, this place of the lack of water. And so what did he do there? He went into her and she then took his staff and his signet ring and so forth and uh Brought, he, she kept it, and she went back, and she became pregnant. And then, when they found out about it, she presented him with this, and he realized at that moment that she was more righteous than he was. So this is really important for us because they understand that now he had understood that she stood up, she confronted, she took this big chance, she did all these things, taking this risk. She could have been stoned to death. But as you can see, we have that Judah recognized what was happening. She did, she did she was brought to him, and he did recognize, and so he was you know ashamed of what happened there. But it changed him. So when he gets to this point of, of Benjamin, he had seen the hurt that he had caused to people, and I believe that's what is going on here. And it says that when this is happening. Um, Judah said uh, to Joseph, um, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here we are, my Lord. My, here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and he also, with whom the cup was found. But he said, far be it from me that I should do so. Uh, so the man in whose hand the cup was found, he shall be my slave. This is Joseph. And as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah came near to him and said, O oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing and do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we, we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, a child of his old age who is young, his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to you, your servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to your uh, servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go back and buy us a little food. We said, we cannot go down if our youngest brother is with us. Then we, shall, then we will go down, for we will not see the man's face unless your youngest brother is with us. Then 
um, our youngest brothers with us. Then your servant, my father, said uh, to us, uh, you know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, surely he is torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. But if you take this one also from me, and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair and with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to you, when we talk about my gray hair with sorrow to the grave, what he's talking about gray is when when he's had the knowledge of the words. The gray is a man of wisdom. But instead of being white, he's talking about gray. And he's talking about sorrow because if his younger son, he knows his other sons haven't kept away the words. That was the problem with with when he sent Joseph to seek them and, and watch over them and so forth to see if they were doing good and they weren't. They were doing what they wanted. They were establishing their own way, their own doctrine, their own teaching, their own instruction, just like the church today does. They don't follow God's instruction for this time, which is given to us in Joel two twelve to 20 and Revelation 18, 1 to 4, for example, and Isaiah 10 to 12 and so on. Nobody's believing it. They're all just, oh, we're going to wait on a rapture. We're going to do this or that. They're not listening. So that is why this happened. And it says, so your servant, um, it says, this is his answer then. He says, now, th- therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us since his life is bound up in the lad's life. In other words, his life. What is Joseph's, Jacob's life? Jacob was to bring forth the kingdom, and he was sure that it, it would have to be through Benjamin because he was teaching Benjamin the way. And he says it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow into the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of Benjamin, the lad." as a slave to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brothers for how shall I go up to my father? If the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father. And what he's saying is, is that the, the kingdom would be lost. And Joseph knows this. Now, remember the silver cup, they had seen Joseph drink the silver cup. And obviously Joseph had his cup when he's there. And he's drinking from the silver cup. They should have known that was special in the way of the words. A man of that power not drinking from gold, but drinking from the silver cup. So silver is the beginning of the word, the wanting of the foundation of the words. The gold is the finished word. And a kingdom was not made yet. And uh, Joseph was still trying to build the kingdom of God. Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And Egyptians in the house of the Pharaoh heard it. That means he really was loud. I had that happen to me one time where uh, something so special came over that I, I just wept uncontrollably. And it it's, it's just happens and it's loud and so forth. I understood this. And it was on an event like this. So Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, does my father still love? Anyway, I, I'm not going to go ahead and read this because you can easily read it in Genesis 45. 
But it's really important. Last night I talked to you a little bit about what he did when he sent them up. And I told you about the fact that he sent the wagons. And the wagons are important because the wagons and the possessions are important. If you pay attention to what is happening with the scriptures there, what becomes very clear is that it states that the Pharaoh says, don't bring your possessions because I will put you know, I have all of Egypt before you. Now, listen to this very carefully because this is really important. Jacob would not come if he had lost what God had given to him. In other words, these things that God had given them were of God, and they were these animals were blessed of God. They had done the way of uh, Jacob had done over them, and brought forth this this whole thing, his tents, the rest of it, the way they worship, and the rest of it. So, for the Pharaoh to say, "Don't bring your possessions with you," <clears throat> is important for us to understand, because. Jacob's going to bring everything. And what's interesting, he says he gives them carts for their families, but not their possessions. But Joseph sends carts for the possessions. And it states very clearly, and Jacob brought all his possessions down. And when Jacob then talks with his family, he gets them prepared to meet the Pharaoh. He tells them, you will tell them these things that you were shepherds before him. And they didn't come from the land of Canaan, their land of Canaan. He says they resided in the land of Canaan. It didn't say they were of Canaan. It's very important. They're not of that. That was cursed. They were residing there, but God was going to bring this land to them. As you know, that's a long story. But what I'm trying to point out here is they brought everything. Now contrast that to Matthew fourteen or twenty four and Mark thirteen, where we're told not to bring anything. And I'm telling you, God is talking to those who do not have the words. Because if we had the words, God would say, Bring that knowledge with you. You cannot take what is holy and forget it. It's like God said, when you get blessed food. You know, he said, get all the crumbs and don't leave anything and take it with you. The baskets of the, the fish and the bread and, and so forth when the disciples did it. See, the words of God are different. But God is showing us that we don't have the words in this day. And that's what's wrong with Matthew 24 and Mark 13. And if you go back to Isaiah 28, 9 to 13, he testifies to that. Because he's saying, woe to those weaned on milk. And he tells us in this day we're like the, 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 the pearls. He says, we are, we are merchants of goodly pearls and we don't have the pearl of great price. Well, if you get the pearl of great price, you will never sell it. You will buy it and you'll hang on to it and you will not depart from it. You will take the knowledge of his words with you. You will not go alone with that. So the things that are of you, that are of the words that are important to teach and make known the words, you'll take with you. But you do not take the things that are of the world or the regular doctrines that we're teaching. That's why he says that the, the teachers, you look at the parable of the great, the great Supper, Luke fourteen fifteen to 24, the first three invitations are to shepherds and the people of them. And he says, those people don't come. And he's angry at them. And he tells them all those who rejected his, his food, his invitation will not eat of his food. They will not receive the words of God. And this day... 
when we're sitting here with all the toxic foods and everything else that is not good for us, God is going to bring forth food that is good for us. Remember that Aaron's rod was put into the um, temple over the tabernacle overnight, and it sprouted flowers, sprouted buds, and fresh almonds in one night. And God is bringing us out at this time, and he says that he's going to cause fruit the trees to grow up. God will prepare the way if he guides you and tells you to come. But if you don't have the words of God, and if you don't desire the words of God to be set apart in truth, or the knowledge of truth, it won't be there. And see, this is so important for Judah. Judah, at this time, was, was set apart like this. He was the one that recognized the importance of the generational plan and of the of the knowledge of the truth. And so when Jacob was going down, he sent Judah ahead of him. He didn't send Levi. He didn't send Benjamin. He sent Judah ahead of him to show them the way to, 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 uh, to Goshen, that G- Joseph was going to put him there. And surely, when he's saying, send him ahead. But remember that Joseph had sent the carts. He sent lots of carts. He sent the carts to Pharaoh had ordered, but then they, and it strictly says that they saw the carts that Joseph had sent. And that convinced Jacob in his eyes that this was right, that this is a man who understood. Because they would have said, because Jacob told them what the Pharaoh had said, but he sent them with the carts. And the Pharaoh didn't want them to bring their possessions. But he says, bring them all. And he brought them all. And then he goes, when he gets them there, he goes in front of the Pharaoh and said, they've come from this land of Canaan where they were, not where they're from, but where they were, where they were abiding in. But they weren't of that country. And they came down here to make this their, their, where they will abide. And he said they brought all their possessions to be servants and be shepherds. And they, and they brought it all for there. And he told them to be shepherds. Because see, God... That is what he wants us to be. And in this day, that is what we're to be. We're to be harvesters, shepherds at this time. That he says, why does he say he'll reject us as being priests before him? Because priests are shepherds. What are shepherds? They do the works of the of the one shepherd, the goats of the one shepherd, his words. They're making the knowledge of truth known. They brought all their possessions. We're told not to take anything. Unless you're of the words. He's talking about those of the words. God is going to provide everything you need, but you need to bring the words. If you have it marked in your scriptures, take those Bibles. God will bring it all back to your knowledge, but you'll be able to show the people from the scriptures that they know of that is in their hearts, the knowledge of the words. But to those other ones, don't take your Bible notes. All that doctrines, he's saying that that has been rejected by God and he's going to cause you to forget all that. And destroy it. What the Lord is telling you in this time and showing you, even in the example of Jacob here, that's very important. Also, I want to point out something interesting before I close here. It says in, in Genesis 46, 3 and 4, there's something really interesting. <clears throat> oh, let me read from verse 1, Genesis 46, 1 to 4. It says, So Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to God. Of his father Isaac, you know they'd been there at Isaac, and they made the oath of the seven, uh, the seven lambs, and so on. At Beersheba, 
and um, this is for the, the dealing with the world. Not just those places, but remember the people that went through Beersheba where Abraham was, they'd went down into Egypt. And Abraham had walked with those people. So the Spirit of God was there, not received, but it was working there. But Abraham had done this. And uh, his father Isaac had uh, also come to Beersheba. So it says, then, then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night. Why the night? I keep telling people, this is why Daniel had the visions of the night, visions of the night. God seals his instruction in the night. We see this in the book of Job and in the chapters on Eluhu, Eluhu, E-L-I-H-U in English. Um, He is the youngest, the the fourth one to speak. He is the one uh, speaking of in the way of the counsel of the Lord. And so what he's saying here, I mean, what Eluhu's made known is it's in the nighttime that God seals his instruction in us. The separation judgment is done in the night, Luke 17, 34, John 9, 4, 5. It's going to be done in the years of the night of the day of the Lord, which we're now living in the last season, to the best of my knowledge, of the night of the day of the Lord. And it's a time when people are going to be separated. And the morning rises, it tells you in Isaiah 21, 10 to 12, that the night's going to come and the, and the morning. What's the night? The night is when, you know, when you're judged, you're sealed. If you rejected his words, you can't eat, you can't receive his words. So you're going to have darkness. You're either of the night or of the, of the, of the day, which is what uh, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 3, when he says that it's coming like a thief in the night. It's and that is exactly in agreement with Isaiah twenty one ten to twelve. He tells you in that night, it's night time. The the night comes. He says, "What of the night? What of the night?" Because the night is when he seals his instruction. He says, "The night come. Night is here, and the morning and the night comes. The night and the morning comes." He says, "Why does that mean? It means the separation judgment comes." John nine four five Luke seventeen thirty four agrees with that. You see it also in Isaiah, I mean, Zechariah 14, 6 and 7 and so on. Night is when he seals the instruction. So he gets visions of the night. And the nighttime is when he instructs. And so he lies down and he wants to hear the, the knowledge of God. That's when he went to meet God and met him and dealt with him all night. Wrestled with the Lord all night. So he says, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. That is extremely important. What is he saying? You know, Joseph is going to um, put your eyelids down when you die? No. Your hand is symbolic of the authority of the work you're going to do. And Joseph's going to put his hands over his father's eyes, which means he's going to carry on. The lamp of the body is the eye. And what are we supposed to have? The words are to be frontlets to our eyes. So his lamp, his words, Jacob's history, his desire, the promises of God, the kingdom to come and the rest of it is in his eyes. And when he puts his hand over his eyes, he's taking on that responsibility. That is why Jacob had him put his hand under his thigh and make a covenant with him. Because he knew how hard that was for for Joseph. I mean, he had that Joseph do that with with Jacob, and um, I think it's in chapter forty eight or forty seven uh, when he when he does that. Maybe it's in forty six here. Um, 
I think it's, uh, no, it's in 47, um, where that is done. But he does that on purpose because, you know, the thigh was where he was touched by the Lord, his walk, and he put his hand there. His hand is that authority. Your hand is your palm print. It's unique to you, just like your facial print is unique to you. Your authority is there. When you have the words of God spoken in your authority, you have power because God blessed you in the very beginning on day six of the creation. He give you a blessing of the work and timing and you're to put forth and the generation that you're to come forth in. And that is all part of that. So what you're seeing here is the Lord saying that Joseph will take on the kingdom and carry it on for you. And he will do that. And Jacob had that promise from the Lord right there and it happened. And Jacob, uh, Joseph took the, the bones of Jacob up to Egypt and put them in the cave where they belong because those bones are spoken. The word of God was spoken to him. He touched him. He wrestled with him. The memory of all that promises and covenants of God is there. And that is what it's in the land where it was promised because he's promised of that generation to come now. The Judah of this day needs to understand that. Because when Jacob was going to go down to to Egypt, when he was, they were on their way, he sent Judah ahead of him to prepare, to show the way to Goshen. What is the way? When he says, show the way to Goshen, what he's talking about is preparing it in the way of the words to go down there, to walk around it. It's like going to Jericho and walking around the walls. He's preparing it in the way of the words to seal it, to have it ready for them to receive. He went ahead to do that. There are many people that God has sent out to walk the streets and so forth. They don't really quite understand what they're doing, but that word is the seal of God by the way of his words is being placed there in those places for the spirit to move in the time of the judgment that cause these people to hear the word. That land is going to tremble because the greatness of some of these people have done that. Marvelous people have done this. God has given them that work. Just like he gave John the Baptist the water baptism. He's given these people that work. They don't quite understand. They're doing it in the way of the words would enable the good promises of the good works of God from the beginning so that the Spirit can pull upon these people and cause them to tremble that they might turn and seek the Spirit of truth to be poured out in them so they can know the words of God. Proverbs one twenty to 23. I hope this has been helpful to you to understand the importance of this because Judah must come forth. The people who are like Judah must come forth. Even the Gentiles who are like this, who are going to be grafted into the kingdom of God, these are those kind of people. These people walking the streets and doing this work are doing the work of Judah. Joseph was doing a different work. He was building the kingdom, bringing it forth by seeking and chasing the words of God all that time to get it ready. And he was always fighting to try to get his brothers to do the way of the words, make it known to them to see if they were doing it, report this back to his father. And he was growing in wisdom and understanding. He's continuously doing this. And he was building the kingdom. He didn't want fraction. He didn't want fights. He didn't want any of that. He wanted God's will to be done. He didn't want to see people harmed. He had to do that with the people of Egypt. He had to take what they had. This is what God showed him. That was the punishment of Egypt is what's going to happen to us at this time. I've told you the world system is going to take away your, your, your wealth. I mean, they're going to 
bankrupt this nation and all nations. They're going to kill many. They plan to kill all the people except, I mean, 7 billion people and leave like 20 to 30 million or I've heard even down to 5 or 6 million people alive. That's all they want. They want to steal everything else, and they think they're going to live through all this. And they think they can live forever by their technology, but they forgot one thing. They don't understand the knowledge of the words of God that have power over all the particles. Because God gave the particles, he said he numbered, he, he called the host by name and gave him a number. He numbered, he numbered them and called them by name. Numbered meaning he gave them work, I mean, where they're to be, what to do, <laughs> in the measure of time. And then work is the is the work is the work of the kingdom they're to do. That's the name. So he numbered them. Other way, he assigned them where they're going to be at a certain given time, and the work they're supposed to be doing at those given times. That's the name. The number is the the measurement of the time period. We have this work that we're given to do at this time. We are to come forth out of the world into the kingdom of God. We're to not be part of this kingdom. These people are destroying us. One of the things that is a joke today is they're talking about China taking over the ports and all this. China, the United States, Russia, all these nations have signed secretly the Law of the Sea Treaty, giving the ownership to the queen. The Crown Trust owns all the oceans and all the ports. They own all the rivers. So nobody can put ships on the sea and control the ports except the queen, the Crown Trust. So it's a joke, all these things. And it's a joke that Russia have manipulated the election because the election is a joke. It's not real. The election is a manipulated thing. They appoint the president. They choose who they wanted. They wanted Trump to be in there. They look at the people that they put around him. They wanted Obama to be in there. They wanted Hillary to do all these. All these people who run, they're, they're doing this. And, and it's all part of the Crown Trust deception deceiving the people. I told you about how they did DHS and how they lied to the people, had public debates and the rest of that and make the people feel like there's democracy. You know, it's like us saying that in God we trust. No, we don't. What God is it? It's the God of the devil because look at the obelisk, look at the statue of Jupiter and look at all these other things. Look on your currency dollar bill and the rest of it. None of that's of God. None of that's of God. None of that's religious, going to Washington and negotiating with people that are bringing forth their crown trust and lying to everybody, even getting intelligence reports from people, that is not true because you're not getting the knowledge of what the crown trust is actually doing. You don't understand who Nancy Nicholson is and Mark Noble and all these other people, the Knights of Templar and the rest of that. So it's all a lie. You don't even have a right to vote. The only place you can actually vote is in the District of Columbia if you're an American. Because that's where you're, you're, you're actually registered at. This thing about voting in the states, it's all manipulated. It's not true. It's deception. It's not a real election. <laughs> that They put it any way they want to, and they use it to confuse people. I explained what they did in the year 2000 with the, the hanging chads and the rest of that, and they had the Knights of Templar in the, in the voting places so they could make those things to deceive the people. And at the same time, they're issuing these trillions of dollars of currency over to these people. And if you talk about the fact that, oh, they're going to use millions of dollars to fight cancer and the rest of that, what a joke. They're spending trillions of dollars to destroy the nutritional value. How much money do you think it takes to put tons and tons, thousands of tons of microscopic um, ionic particles of copper and aluminum into the air? What do you think it costs every day to do all these chemtrails in the air? 
the, the trillions of dollars being spent for this stuff to destroy our nutritional value, our ability to breathe, the poison, toxic breakdown. They're putting such a strain on our body with the GMO foods and the rest of it. They're spending trillions of dollars doing this, and we ignore it. The debt is false. The, the, the whole national debt thing is a false debt. It, it's, it's not real. It's whatever they want it to be. They establish it like that. Everything is a lie. We've got to come out of this and come to knowledge of truth, which is the words of God. That's why Satan says it's a flood of words, and his words is actions. You know, God does all his works by truth. What is truth? It's the words of God. All these words are being done. But Satan is doing the words of the world. In other words, he's twisting these and deceiving us, and everything that we do is in the way of his words, which is evil. And until we come out and see that we have to actually take an action, set ourselves apart and listen to God and obey the simple instruction of his plan that he has for this day to overcome the world. He says, you know, blessed is he's overcome the world. Read Revelations um, 2 and 3 and you're going to see how many times does he say overcome? He overcomes. He overcomes. He wants us to overcome. But we will not overcome. We're going to wait. And in the meantime, while we wait, we're being destroyed because we're not preparing the people. We're not setting them apart, sanctifying them by making known the words of God to them that sanctifies them. We don't do that. We teach them Bible scriptures, but we haven't given them the knowledge of truth that's open to us, been open to us now for 13 and three-fourths years. And we're in the winter season, which he told us, don't let it be in the winter season when we make our flight. But we better. When he says that, you know, it means you've waited too long and you better turn quickly because it's just like the men of Nineveh. They, you know, their judgment has been declared upon them and it's going to happen to them. The Lord's doing the same to us. And we can see it on the horizon. It's everywhere. Deceit is everywhere. Lies are everywhere. And people are thinking Trump's going to help us. He doesn't, I mean, he's only put in there by the Crown Trust. And look who's got around him, the Crown Trust people. So sad we are. But anyway, understand that the reason why we take nothing from our house is because we don't have the words. If we have the words, then, then Jacob took everything with him. And Joseph went to the Pharaoh and told him, look, they've come and they've brought everything, all their household. When, when the Pharaoh had told him, don't bring your possessions. I'll, I'll give everything to you. But the Pharaoh accepted that because they did it in faith and the words of God and told them they were shepherds. Joseph made it clear. You tell him you are shepherds and our families are shepherds. And that's what they are. They are shepherds. And, you know, God brought them in there to teach the words. And they multiplied. God showed the people of Egypt the glory of the people of Israel because they multiplied greatly and were blessed highly. Their flocks, everything multiplied. Egypt didn't do that. Okay, that's enough for tonight. I appreciate, Lord, I pray that you'd help this, that maybe there's something valuable in this that they might hear, dear Lord, and understand. And I pray, Lord, it'll be useful for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.